This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Tired of the shipping forecast? Why not try Jules and Jim's Joyride? With legs tapering dangerously to points, he totters wildly about Sheffield, searching for an answer to his condition. Mm. He is, of course, Phil Oakey. Delighted. Hi. Marvellous, he's here. Hi. Hi. So you've just arrived yeah. from Sheffield yeah. in a hire car yeah. via Basildon. Yeah. Because the sat-nav didn't work. I think I pressed the wrong button. You pressed the Basildon button. It, like, gave me a selection of shops, and I thought one of them was a shop near here. <laughs> <laughs> and instead you found... Basildon's quite... That's a strange place, though, isn't it? It's not a strange place. But you can't it's drive a, near Basildon without thinking Depeche Mode. Yeah, it's, yeah, but it's very industrial, yeah. and I like it because of that. Right, yeah. And you're from the industrial centre. Sheffield? Yeah. Eventually, yeah. I mean, I'm a Midlander. I'm, I'm from Leicester. When I first met you, you told me about your Sinclair C5. Yeah, John bought me a Sinclair C5, and, and I drove it around a little bit and then drove it in, into a door inside the house, and it stopped. You pedal it, don't you? You need a pedal yeah, car. you have to pedal it. <laughs> yes. That's very impressive. Well, you must have been one of the only people in Sheffield to have a, a C5, would I be well, in the country. I think there's more than people think. Hmm. They're not worth anything. The, uh, I th- it's one of these things that I'll put this in the garage and it'll be worth one thousands. Day, yes. And then you go on eBay eventually, and there's just a list of them. It was his idea of an electric car. Yeah. Well, it was a bicycle, really, wasn't it? It was a, a dressed-up bicycle. Yeah, I mean, he was ahead of the game, really, wasn't he? But, yeah. And how did you find... Because, of course, Sheffield's built is, is Seven Hills, isn't it? Yeah. So did it work well or did it just grind to a halt? That's exactly what it did. <laughs> Started slowly and ground to a halt, yes. The C5 had a long aerial with a ping-pong ball on the end of it. Yeah. Is that so people could see you coming, yes, I suppose, isn't it? because you're very low, which is good for wind resistance. And, Phil, where does it all start for you? I mean, you know, music was obviously... or You became legendary with music pretty quick in, in early on in your life, you know. That must have led to much touring and, uh, and travel... Eventually, it did. It's, it, we weren't a very good band. We were constantly below the level that we looked that we were at. And looking back now, I, I, we owe so much to producers. When we made good records, it's because we had good producers and that wedge wasn't there. So we would lurch from one good record to one not very good record. And we, we didn't really believe in playing well until we, we got a co-manager that you had, Miles. Oh, Miles Copeland, yes. M- Miles st- started managing us to, together with uh, Simon Watson. They sort of did it as a pair in the mid-90s. And that's when we started touring. Luckily, Culture Club took us to America. Virgin, I think, stopped us touring because they knew how bad we were and 
it just put people off if they went to see us and we were terrible. But then we got this chance and <laughs> Miles, that for yourself. <laughs> Miles sat us down and, and we'd sort of been fighting. We, we took the punk thing on more than other people. We'd been fighting record companies for 15 or 16 years. And Miles just sat us down and said, look, why don't we all try and make some money? You do what you do. They'll try and help us, you know, and we'll all work together. And it, it, it was like a light went on. And we, we went out and started touring. Wow, so before then, you hadn't even realised you hadn't toured before. Because, you, you know, I mean, despite these claims that it was all record producers, I think there was some talent which comes, of course, emanates from you. I don't even know that. I, I sometimes think my, my nearest to a talent is that I can work on a record for as long as it takes to do a record and people don't want to kill me at the end, which is quite... That's a gift. That's something. Really yeah. Gift. But the, when you had that, that first great flush of success... Uh, it must have been exciting because you sort of, when anybody starts to do make music, they sort of imagine when they were, you know, they're sort of a teenager or something, oh, this is all going to work. But then when it actually does, and suddenly you're in the charts and everybody's all over the radio, it's a different thing, isn't it? It must have been an exciting time. It was exciting and, and sort of terrifying. I don't, I don't know whether we enjoyed it for 10 or 15 years. There was, there was too much attention. I so say we, we knew that we weren't really as good as people were saying we were. And we were having to front it up, and that were that was not comfortable, mm-hmm. really. And and we eased into it as we got the live stuff together, started working with proper musicians. This time round has been a lot better, more fun, more enjoyable. Oh yes. Now you were talking about, um, I believe, or Jim told me that you were considering moving to Ostend. Yeah, I really like Ostend, and Ostend is is one of the, one of the towns that really likes the Human League. When we turn up in Ostend, like I think I think more than half the people turn up. To the concert hall. What is it about Ostendians? The Low Countries have always really liked us. You have these places that that support you on the quiet and have supported you right from the start. The like Germany were really good to us right from the start, and Scotland was very good to us. And the Low Countries have been fantastic. So you, because the Low Countries like you as well, don't they? I like the, the Low Countries like me, and I like them. Yes. Well, I'd like to go to the Low Countries yeah. and see if they like me. Yes, <laughs> they, 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 might, they might do. You're low enough. Uh, and of course, people sometimes say, "Oh, Belgians, you know, what did they ever do?" And I say, "Well, hang on a minute." Van Eyck, I think they invented painting. Yeah. Adolphe Saxophone invented yeah. the saxophone. Yeah. George Simonon invented Maygray. Yeah. Uh, Magritte invented surrealism. And um, Django Reinhardt invented gypsy jazz. Yeah. So what did the they chocolates. do? Qu- quite a lot, thank don't you. Don't forget the lot. chocolates. Rubens, yeah, don't yeah. get me going. I mean, yeah. it's uh, Franz Snyder's, the lot. But Ostend, I sometimes, when I'm driving back from the Low Countries, because it has some very nice uh, cities and towns. Yeah. Ghent is lovely. Yeah. Dear Ghent, and of course Antwerp is fantastic. I love Antwerp. One of my favourite places in the Me world. Too. Me and, too. And then we sometimes, when we're driving back, we'll stop at um, Ostend. Yeah. And the thing that I really like about it is you can sit on, there's like a harbour. And you Are can you going to say Braziers? Is that, like, uh, uh, is, that, is that the name of the restaurant? No, that... At some point, they light up braziers. When when it gets dark early enough, they light up braziers that stretch a mile and a half along the seafront, and you go out just as it's getting dark and look across. Where's this? Where's this? Ostend. Yeah, try to keep up. We're so, talking about Ostend. Yeah, no, I thought. Yeah. But do you know what? It's like this podcast is now becoming a hail the low countries yeah. <laughs> program, really, yeah. isn't it? But yeah. and I've not. So I'm feeling a little bit out of it because I'm, love I'm you. not really exploring. They would the love country. you. They'd love your pictures there. You what like Anne de Moulemeester? Yes, I and do. She's one of the Antwerp Six. The Antwerp scene. Have you driven around there then? No. But you do drive. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've driven with you. 
if I get the chance, I mean, that's my, if I've got a contribution to transport, it's to say how great group buses are. That that's the one thing left that's really good about being in a group. If, if I can get someone else to drive me in a place where I don't have to unpack or anything, and the, the, the guys will help you out if they can, and you can have a sleep while you get in there. Yeah, I, I love the bus. I think one of the issues with the tour bus for me is some of the aromas that can sort of create after a few days. Miasmas. Yes. <laughs> We're a very fragrant sort of... It really changes a band if you've got a couple of women in it, you know, yes. as... Both smell sweet. Equal yes. everything. Yeah. It, it, it does change a lot of things about the group. It's, yeah. it's a whole Everybody's different... on better behaviour. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So you were on a fragrant tour bus. I would imagine yeah. yours was quite um, dismal. Well, I was, Squeeze used to have a, a tour bus and uh, it wasn't too bad. He said if you did a few too many overnight trips... Yeah. The, I remember Chris Difford was very good because he... Um, sometimes you'd play in a town and the local nightclub would say, oh, we'd like to have a party for Squeeze. They could come over. Oh, thanks very much. Very nice. And so we'd turn up hoping to make friends with the local folk. And they said, we've got you an area roped up over there with security. So we were sort of roped off and unable to sort of engage with any local folk because we were behind these ropes. Anyway, it sort of, it sort of became rather frustrating but amusing that we were always being roped off. So Chris Difford nicked the ropes. Yes. He suddenly was on the tour bus and he, he nicked the ropes from, from, the, from where we'd been roped off and then roped off his own bunk, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was a great yeah, moment yeah. of sort of uh, a privacy. It's got to be said, the VIP area is always the worst place to be. Exactly. Wherever you are. Yeah. And they really want you to go in it. Yeah. It's- so people can look at you. I would imagine the worst smelling tour bus would be maybe Motorhead. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. The stinkiest tour bus. Hmm. I reckon it must be. Yeah, or perhaps... uh... The Nolans. (laughs) (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What did your dad drive? I think he did triumphs until he he had a breakthrough and did a, a Hillman Imp. And all I can remember is lying in bed on very cold winter mornings, listening to him trying to start this imp, because cars didn't work in those days. No, so never, certainly not in the winter. No. Not only did they not work, well, if they did work in the winter, in the snow, the heater wasn't very good. Yeah. Or yeah. it'd be too hot. It'd yeah. just be sort of boiling so it hurt. Well, cars were terrible, weren't they, in those days? Yeah. They weren't safe. Yeah. Yeah, I used to get a lift to work in the mid-70s from this fella who was called Don, eventually called Sex King Don, because all he spoke about was sex stories. And I'd get in the car to get a lift to work with him. And it was 
always touch and go whether it'd start and then whether it'd pack up halfway through and I'd have yeah. to listen to more of his interminable dreadful yeah. sex lies his other idea that he had which was if he wasn't talking about sex it'd be a brilliant idea that would get him out of the rat race and he said I've got a load of shoes a bargain but like bucket boxes and boxes of these shoes so I'm going to take them to the Middle East and sell them to the people out there because they only have those curled up ones yeah and what they're desperate for is a normal western shoe <laughs> But yeah, what, are, what about other sorts of forms of transport? Do you like trains? Do you like cycling? Do you like walking? No, walking the dog. Not really. No, I'm a townie. I, I, sort of, my, I always walk into town. That's, that's what I've always done. And when, when, when the wall just fell on my own car recently, I've had a month of, of walking into town, which I've thoroughly hang, enjoyed. Hang on a second, can we go back a minute? You said the wall fell on your car. Yeah, the, the party wall with me and my neighbour was, was six foot tall and a, one morning I woke up and there was this sort of dull roar and it was, uh, my car was engulfed in large bricks. My word. One of which had gone through the back window and in, in, onto the parcel shelf and was too heavy to move. What did you say to your neighbour? Um, well, we said we're going to have to do something about that, aren't we? We've got it, <laughs> we've got it fixed, we're fine. I, I mean, I, I, I think it, it was sort of a lack of, a lack of maintenance of all of us and yet again of course the the insurance insurance people come around and immediately go you've not looked after this we're not paying so oh. so your car was crushed yeah like a cartoon it's a shame that there wasn't a window there like in the silent films where the window falls the wall yeah. falls over and the window's there yeah. and the and Charlie Chaplin is standing or Buster Keaton is standing there yeah with the buildings collapsed around him but he's yeah. okay because it was the gap where the window was it's one of the perils of Sheffield being quite a nice place sort of because we've, we've got seven hills, mainly where, where you go, you will have a nice view. But also, there's hills that get wet and the soil all moves around all the time. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of movement. Yeah. But you said, uh, you were saying, Phil, you hadn't uh, left Sheffield throughout the course of the lockdown. Um, no. And this is the first time you've, you've and we're honoured and delighted you've travelled to uh, Greenwich to be with us today in London here. Um, how did you find it venturing out of the city? a little bit unfamiliar to go along the motorways you get out of the habit and mm. and the lockdown's sort of been all right for us i think we've we've been very very lucky with it it's strange i i guess we've we've all been going through our world war our parents had to go through world wars and and i think this is our equivalent without the bombs that's right without metaphoric the bombs if you know. yes yeah and during the lockdown have have you um, have you discovered new things in Sheffield looking around or have you just been at home really? Uh, yeah, just mooching about and, and trying to repair the sort of debris of, of being in a group for 40 years uh, where you sort of pile things up in your house, you never tidy it up or anything and you've always got enough money to buy another little gimmick or gadget or Moog synthesizer or something, you pile them all up and one day you turn around and you're living in, in Steptoe's yard and I've been trying to get myself out of Steptoe's yard. Tell me about it, but did it, did it work? Have it worked? You're clearing it is out? working. What's your secrets, Guru, to, to having a clear out? Looking through eBay, maybe. That, that is a really big thing. Things that you've kept for ages because you think one day this is all going to go wrong, you're going to have to sell things. And then, you, you know, you find the old Thunderbird cups that you got from McDonald's in 1982. You don't want to sell those. They're not worth anything. Mm. Well, you, can't, you can't sell them. Yeah. But there's a woman who writes a book. I'm trying to think what their name is. Uh, that writes a book Condo. On... That's it. 
uh, is it Mary Kondo? There's a whole volumes on how to clearing everything out. Yeah. A place for everything, everything in its place. I believe the theory is you get a particular item, like that Thunderbird's yeah. toy, you clutch it to your chest and you say, does this really mean a lot to me? If it does, we'll keep it. But if it yeah. doesn't, get rid of it. Well, yeah. I keep everything. You've got to be brutal. Yeah. Have you thrown a lot of stuff out? Yes. Did you get rid of your C5? I'm afraid it has gone, which I, I feel bad about. I think it would be a good toy for a child, you know. Look, this is what we thought the future was yeah. going to be like. Yeah. And it turned out to be very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the future is like. It doesn't work. Is that the first electric vehicle? It no. wasn't electric, was it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I suppose oh, yeah. it was. But you had to wind it up. So it had, a, a, it had a vacuum cleaner or a... a Washing machine motor in it, didn't it? Is Something right? like that. I did brain when I presented Brainiac. I did for a while, and I powered myself on an airfield in a shopping trolley, which was powered by fire extinguishers, one on either side, which was very exciting, but absolutely uncontrollable. Yeah. And I ended up going into a ditch. Yeah. But that was. I suppose that's just that's a kind of exactly the same as a C five. There's a fellow that's got a jetpack. And yeah. I saw yeah. him, he was de- he was de- he was illustrating it to the, sort of the Dutch Navy or something the other day, but I wonder if that's a new C five really. You know, they're all going to buy this. That's what everyone but, used to think. Yeah, but maybe it's going to catch on now. I w- I watched that film of that guy doing that, and I can't believe it's real. Would you, you buy a jetpack? No, no, I don't think I would either. The, the, I think they are impossible to command. Yeah, like water skis, and the same. No one way- ever has ever successfully. Commanded a pair of water skis. I'm sure there are some great masters of it, <laughs> but just not us. But I think you're right. The the jetpack, it's like if it can propel you at great speeds going up. Yeah. Presumably, it can also propel you at great speeds in yeah. the other direction. Phil, would you go to the moon if you had if you had if somebody offered you a ticket to go to get on um, you know one of those things that go, that uh, Elon Musk? I'm not sure I would. No, I th- I'm quite cowardly. I don't really do do any risky things at all. I mean, it's yeah, anything that that you might end up in hospital or the police station. I try and avoid. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think if you go to the moon, you're going to yeah. both you of those. Be, yeah. Yeah. yeah, would you go to the moon? Um, no, but only because I think I'd probably be allergic to moon dust. And here's a message from our sponsors. Jules, these new piano playing gloves are truly miraculous. Yes, sir. That's because they have 17 fingers on each hand. Thank you. Now I can play like Mrs Mills, Richard Clayderman and Bobby Crush combined. The 17-fingered piano glove by Pig Free and Biscuits. <laughs> Very good. I believe you've got uh, a lot of unmade kits. Are you prepared to discuss those? Yeah, I've always, always, always been a bit, a bit of a science fiction man and, and, and a bit of a kit man. You and didn't we, throw those out then? I did throw quite a lot of Japanese ones. Did you? I yeah. bet they're the valuable ones now, probably. I don't think so. They were, they were just Macross, you know, the mm. things that led to Transformers. I kept the metal ones, mm. got rid of the plastic ones. So many of these things are, are from your childhood. Now, a kit seemed... We didn't have loads of money. They were only about one and six, weren't they? Hanging, hanging in the barbers yeah. in little plastic bags. So, what, what did you? Which ones did you get? I used to get the aeroplanes. I always liked figures. Always, always went towards figures. Airfix did like Joan of Arc and Henry um, the Eighth. Henry yeah. the Eighth. Yeah. And and then because I really like comics and that, I I got all the Aurora 
superheroes and monsters. Creature from the Black Lagoon, that was yeah. the only monster I had. Right. Which I very much liked. Yes. I used to take it into the bath with me. Yeah. And caress it. I love I love the Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> the idea of the Bride of Frankenstein. So do you make them still? No, I never did. I just, just pile them up. Boxes. I'm more of a more of a collector than a, than a maker. I think one of the things is that's the whole key. I think with journeys with with making things, it's it's the idea of doing it is enough. Yeah. Really, you don't actually have to do anything ever. Yeah. Really. I mean, I'm a consumer. I, I, I think I was just at exactly the right time that. That ability to buy little things that you could bring into your life was a big thing. My mm. dad always used to buy me little things all over the place, probably because he, he went out to work, you know, all the hours that God sends, and he'd rather been in the park chucking a tennis ball to me or, or something. So, And that, that little thing of, of owning things is quite big for me. Mm. No, I think it's a very satisfactory. And collecting, yeah. I mean, that's a journey in itself. Once you start collecting, I mean, yeah. once you've got more than two of something... yeah. You've got a collection. Yeah. But now you've got rid of all yours, you can move to a bigger place and then start buying a bigger more collection. Stuff and yeah. Then yeah. A, more, a bigger collection of nonsense. Well, I mean, how old are you two? I'm 65. And I think that's making me think about life just in a different way. And I'm, I'm, that's been a big, a big boost for going, why have I got this stuff? You know, what's going to happen to this in 15 or 20 years' time? You know, whenever I die or something, someone's going to walk in and put it all in a skip. What will your final collection be then? It's so obvious, and it's just going to be synthesizers. You know, Have Jap you got a lot of them? Japanese synthesizers, hundred or two hundred or something. Oh my word, that is a lot. I thought everyone in groups did that. When you hear about other groups with lockups and things, with you've with... got two hundred synthesizers. Yeah, I should think so. Where are they? I mean, not the actual address, but where you know, we've warehouse. had a studio in Sheffield since 1986 yeah. with the council. The council decided they wanted a, a, an arts area in Sheffield, so they bought an old garage and put a, a few studios with people. So a lot of them are down there. There's a lot. There's a 200 keyboards. Is a lot. I mean, put end to end. They've not all got keyboards. Oh. Ian Marsh from the old, old humanly very cleverly said the worst thing that ever happened to a synthesizer was someone put a keyboard on it. And I thought that was, that was smart. Well, so the, so the hardcore synthesizers folk uh, would would only want ones that just what do you what do you have jack plugs that just wire them up like a telephone exchange. Yeah, yeah, that that aren't restrained to mm. that keyboard thing. And the one that um, Eno had, which was a joystick, that was a VCS three, wasn't it? Good question. I'm not really sharp on the on on the on the things. I I did. I flirted with Doctor Moog's products for a while. Yes, was that the right pronunciation? That's what we could never afford. Uh, we got one Mini Moog to, to use on a tour and had to sell it when we came back. We always got the Japanese, which were mm. half the price. And I bet twice as good. I don't know. There's something about Moogs. Mm. Something great about them. We bought the Poly Moog. It was yeah. so expensive. Literally, we, we, I think we could have bought worth, the house. They're worth that money again now. Well, was that, that you doing that, rocketed. playing the Moog? Uh, on some of them, yeah. Did that yeah, come under your area or remit? Yeah, me and Glenn used to play the Moogs. And that, so that's the nearest you came to electronic music. No, I loved it. I used to, I used to listen to your records and that's great. How can we make it sound like that? But we never could. And also, I tell you, the thing is that now, to get that sound, you probably you could only get it by having those things, those instruments. There's people who are doing it without them. The, the, the synthwave people, Kavinsky and things, he's making it sound authentic and I believe he, he just uses computers and stuff. Mm. Hope I'm not doing him down. One of them does it all in software, and it, it all sounds right. One, you know, one mm. of the people on Drive or something. But when you started, it was 
like you were talking about before, there's less production. You played it like it was a group with guitars. It was, we played more than we admitted. There was stuff that was too clever for us to program. So we would slow the tape down or, or something mm. like that. Yeah, there was more playing. We, we were pushing the, the Tomorrow's World stuff a bit. I love that on Tomorrow's World. And when they used yeah. to get those things out and say, this is the sound of the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were right. That, that was me, by the way, for the listeners. That wasn't an actual... No, we, was, we didn't uh, actually have a Sound uh, of the Future machine here. That was me just uh, uh, doing an impersonation. Right, it was simulation. very good. And, I mean, do you still uh, um, make music with electronic keyboards? I still think that I'm the evangelist for, for hardware sequencers. Mm. Everyone got bored of them a little quickly when the DX7 came out. Mm. And our little advantage we'd had for five or six years was that it didn't help a keyboard player to have a an old analog synthesizer because they weren't touch sensitive they weren't polyphonic you know you had to address the simplicity of them then the dx7 came out and keyboard players once again took over the synthesizers that you've named have been letters and numbers yeah but do they actually have, is there any with names like duplicit or something you know well it was the Rollins were all named after planets weren't they Oh, were they? What were Jupiter, they? Jupiter, oh, Saturn. Yes. Oh, very good, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one you hung around your neck, which I've got, I've got one down here. The Liberation. Moved, moved Liberation. Three or four of those. That's, oh, the one, that's a keyboard with a handle on it, so it looks like a guitar. And you hang it around your neck, so it's called the Liberation, because right. you were liberated, finally, from sitting at a keyboard. You, too, could walk around the stage with the freedom of the, I, the, 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 I the saw, guitar players had. Do you remember Howard Jones? I saw him once. Yeah, he, he was, was at good. the Campbell Art College. Doing a concert with that, what's it called? Liberation. The yeah. Liberator, Liberation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, everyone's sitting in the round, and he went up and used it in a kind of sensual way that a, a heavy metal guitarist might. Uh, E.g., he had it thrust between his legs. In an innuendo style. In an innuendo style, and, and moved it uh, around these girls. This was right at the peak of women's lip. <laughs> One of the girls smashed the... The Liberator. Liber <laughs> Liberation, yes. Liberation. And it made the most fantastic sound. And I thought, just stick with doing that from now on, because it sounds a lot better. Yes, just, just get some, smash it. Yeah, get some feminists to hit your Liberator. Well, who was your person that you look back... I mean, the trouble, you were inventing it. So I was going to say, who do you look back to to inspire you? But if you're making up electronic music, who are you? Who was the inspiration for you? Bush Roxy Music. Mm. It's one. We're one of the three groups that 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 modelled themselves on Roxy Music. I think Sheik did, and Dex's Midnight Runners. I, I, I think that that Kevin Rowland has admitted that. We tried to bring it up to date. There were groups in Sheffield who were just trying to do the Roxy lineup with the same instruments. We said, "What would Roxy music do if they were here now?" But if they were Roxy music now, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, Rox, Roxy just changed our lives. They did a free show in Sheffield when I was about uh, eighteen or something. It was great because we weren't very macho, and we we loved Prague and we loved metal and all that sort of stuff. But the idea of us sort of having denims and and trying to be all oh, a whole lot of love, baby didn't quite suit us mm. so we were looking for something slightly more effete to mm. uh, do it with but so there's Roxy Music and, and um, I'm trying to think if there was I love Wendy Curved Carlos Air. Curved Air yeah you can't deny Kraftwerk you know for yeah. years every interview I've ever done people would, would mention Kraftwerk the fact is they're absolutely brilliant and their new 
their latest recordings are as brilliant as their first recordings. I think they're better. Mm. The, the, one of the, oh, the, the, the latest record, I think, is they just yeah. get better and better. Yes. I loved Curved Air. Yeah. I quite, I quite loved Yes. Mm. And uh, and strangely, they were a little tiny bit glam that uh, from this sort of denim miasma that was going on, they, uh, like, I remember that the, the guys in Yes had fur-lined cuffs and yeah. and turnips, and I thought, that makes a good group. Yeah, exactly. I think you were, a nice uniform, a, nice, a good combined and look. And Curved Air yeah. had Sonia Christina, yes. who I used to have on my bedroom wall. I talked to her in the last... Four or five years, she turned up and played in Sheffield. And I, I went. And she was married to Stuart, wasn't she? Stuart so, Kirkland. Yeah. Again, talking to her about Miles. Yeah. Miles Kirkland. His father was the director of the CIA in in the Middle East. Yeah. Miles Kirkland Senior. And he, um, when Miles was a child, in uh, they were in Egypt. His, and his mother was a great archaeologist. And his mother found the missing Dead Sea Scroll, which would have mean, meant a complete sort of reinterpretation of the Bible. She found it. She found it on an archaeological dig. She was a proper archaeologist in the pyramids or whatever. Anyway, she found this day. She came and I found something really impressive. So Miles Copeland Senior says, well, what is it? She said, well, it's the Dead Sea Scroll that's missing. and It could change like the way we perceive history. Yeah. You know, this is really important. He said, well, wow. He said, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to, I've got to take it straight to the British Museum and have it properly deciphered. He said, well, it sounds like if it really is that important, you know, kind of this is something we should be aware of. She said, what do you mean we? She said, well, you know, like, the authorities what do you mean he said well I've got to take a picture of it she said don't be silly anyway she left the room he tried to take a picture of it but it was too dark so he took it up onto the roof of the building where the sunlight was better unfurled it to take a picture of it where it disintegrated in the sun she didn't speak to him for two years (laughs) (laughs) it's absolutely true is that why it's in such bad condition Uh, nobody it, it disintegrated there is none of it it was completely gone yeah. the Dead Sea Scrolls the missing Dead Sea Scroll that's right oh the missing one yeah it's probably in Miles's book but anyway there we are hmm. thank you very much Philip for coming all the way from Sheffield pleasure on a C5 a what? on a C5 on a C5 with the, with the bubble yes. flying yeah. yeah thank you very much Phil Oakey thank you thank you Well, there goes Phil, travelling back to Sheffield. On his C5 electric vehicle. And it's going to take some time via Basildon again. This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.